Today we are going to be talking about following Jesus. It's the third week of a supposed to be three-week series, but it became four because of the last week. And so we'll have another talk next week about this. And so today we're talking all about how to be a follower. And we've been talking about this verse in Mark 8, and it's 34 through 36 are the verses. And this, this is the kind of the story where we want to talk about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. It says this, Then calling the crowd to join his disciples, Jesus said, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? And so we talked about how Jesus' guidance, or Jesus exemplifies God's guidance in week one. And we ended the service with the challenge and the action point to pray specifically this prayer. I give up my own way. I choose to take up your cross and follow you today. Like if, if you just meant that, if you opened up each day and you said that prayer to God and you truly meant it, that's a pretty powerful prayer. If you each day you woke up and said, I God, today, I give up my own way, I take up your cross, and I choose to follow you today, that's a pretty powerful statement, a good way to start your day and to think, wow, God, what would you have for me if I truly meant those things? Like, if I let that get rooted deep down in my heart and let it affect from my heart to the extent of my actions in everyday living, like, what would be the plan that God would have for me. And so this is what Jesus was calling people to. And even in our last series, we talked about Jesus saying, you know, take up my yoke and it will be rest for your soul. If you're weary, find rest in me because I am gentle and humble in heart. And so today the question, the big idea, we don't have a big idea, but the question that we want to talk about today is how do I follow Jesus? Like how do I make that step in my life to make a huge moment in my life to become, I might say, I've, I've chosen to follow Jesus, but how do I actually do that day by day? What's the purpose of these, this relationship? Why is it so important for me to follow Jesus? Why would even Jesus call people to follow him? You know, he found fishermen, he found tax collectors, he found people that were not the most popular, he found the people that were might consider dirty or cast-offs off to the side, and he's just simply called people to follow him. And so now that we're in this place, at this hour, we have that same call from Jesus. But how do we do that? And so in the book of John, we get the account of Jesus' life in a little bit different way than what you might read in Matthew, Mark, or Luke. John is kind of like a beautiful writer. And he's talking about huge aspects of like darkness versus light of what true love really means and so when you read like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John those are like the four different accounts of Jesus's life his ministry his death and resurrection but when you read John you notice that it's just different from the other three and so it's really important when you're studying that you pick out these things and so there's a key passage a key section of scripture actually chapters 13 through 17 where it's like Jesus's farewell address to his disciples. He's gathered them together. They're, this is where they're going to take the Last Supper together, and he's giving them teachings. He's giving, like, blowing their minds with the things that he's saying, and he comes to a time in 
John 15 is what we're going to focus on today, where he really talks about what it means to follow him and how that can affect our lives. But some other things that he did, he, you read in this section of scripture, 13 through 17, he washes the disciples' feet as an act of service. He predicts that there's going to be people within that room that are going to betray him to certain degrees. And like, how could you be in the room when you know that someone just hours later is going to betray you and then another one's going to deny you? And so you get to see this sense of Jesus holding on to people and just saying, listen, this is going to be a tumultuous time coming forward. Hang on and follow me. And so we read in John 15. We're going to read just a few passages from this. And so just dive in and think about if you were in that moment and Jesus was telling this to you, what would you be thinking and feeling as Jesus is telling you? So he says this in verse 1. He says, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless, useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into the pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great joy to my Father. And so we read that passage and we think about the fact that Jesus is about to leave the disciples and everything is going to be different after he's crucified and, and then we finally read about his resurrection. And so there's probably this feeling of Jesus' communication where he's probably saying, don't forget everything that I've taught you for the last almost three plus years. Like, don't forget all these things because there's going to be a time and even in the next day where you're going to question everything that I've said, but you need to hold on to this. And what does he keep repeating? He says, remain in me. And so other translations, if you read a different version, might say, abide in me. And so it's this beautiful picture of Jesus calling people to himself and saying, if you remain in me, I will remain in you. If you remain in me, you will produce much fruit. If you are severed from me, though, it's as if you're going to be cut off and burned in the fire. And so it's hugely important. And so thought one today on how we follow God is we need to have oneness with God. And so that's why Jesus came to earth, so that we could be one with God. When you study Jesus in this life, you quickly realize that Jesus is here to restore a relationship that has been broken. That when we read from the beginning of Scripture to the time that Jesus comes, constantly you have... God coming to people, but them turning away. The relationship is continually built up, but then broken again. Built up, and then broken again. And so finally, Jesus comes and says, once and for all, from now on, if you want to have a relationship with God, you come through me. You come through Jesus. Remain in me, and you know the Father. And then that's the message of Jesus. Jesus changed all of that. That's oneness. And so when we're able to just rest in the presence with God, when we're able to just say, God, I want to remain in you, things change in our lives. We begin to pray differently. We begin to ask not necessarily for what maybe I want, but maybe I'm beginning to think, God, what do you want in this situation? 
even today in that uh, prayer, um, 40-day prayer challenge I was telling you about, I got an email, I think it was yesterday, just like kind of a challenge, just something to think about, is that sometimes we arrive at problems in our lives and we are so quick to say, God, rescue me from this problem. And so the challenge yesterday was, instead of praying away our problems, maybe we need to pray through them. And so maybe you're here today, and I'm, you're like, I'm in this huge mess, and I want God to just rescue me from it, take it away. And I want that for you too. But in the meantime, between then and now, or then and later, when that happens, sometimes we have to pray through the things that might be going on. In this week, this week, Danny and I were in a conversation over dinner with some people, and they have different faith backgrounds and even like some Eastern religions. And so it got to the time they knew I was a pastor, and so it got really funny at times because they're asking me all these questions about what it means to be a Christian, what it means when you when I say follow Jesus. And then um, someone like explained, and so it was kind of this back and forth. I was trying to like say it's not that weird. Like Jesus is a pretty cool guy, and I like to follow and I think you would too. But um, it got to the point where another person was explaining kind of the faith that they follow, and, and, and she explained it that it's like, it's not really a faith or a religion, but this is a way of life. This is like my lifestyle. This is like, this is a decision that has completely changed the way I live. And I'm sitting across the table, and I was like, did I not convey that, that that's how I feel about Jesus? Like, did I not convey that, like, I'm a follower of Jesus, and I believe that has taken root in my heart and has changed the way that I live. It was almost like I wasn't offended by it, but I was like, man, that's how I feel about Jesus, is that God, I've, like, I've chosen to follow him, and there's times where I feel like I've dropped everything for Jesus to follow him. And so it was like, I want that. I want that to be known by the way that I live. I want people not to see that so that I'm built up, but the people see that Jesus is a real person living inside of me, and I'm living like wholeheartedly with his spirit empowering me. Like I want that to be known because it points back to Jesus. It testifies back to who he is. And so when we think about prayers, I saw I was reading through commentaries over this John 15 passage, and it says this, the fundamental commitment of a disciple's life is abiding in him, remaining in him, like we said. That means that the model of Jesus in life and word must permeate the life and words of the disciple. When this happens, praying ceases to be selfish asking and becomes aligned with the will and purposes of God in Christ. It's really this sense of like when you choose to follow Jesus, that should permeate your whole life and become a huge part of what you're doing. It's not even just a lifestyle. It's like the way, like Jesus called people to the way of himself. And we're going to talk about more about what that means. But if we've chosen to believe and follow Jesus, our lives should be changed and the way that we live should be affected. And so Jesus goes on in John 15, 9 through 17. He says, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. And so again, this remaining aspect of like remaining and abiding in Jesus is when you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life to one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father told me. 
You didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. And so again, it's just like, remain in me and you'll produce fruit. Follow my commands and you're remaining in me and you'll produce fruit. Remain in me and when your lifestyle becomes a prayer, your prayers change and begin to see the bigger picture about God what might be teaching you through these situations. And so the next thought in how do we follow Jesus is we need to follow his commands. And Jesus continues that remain in me, remain in my love, obey my commandments as I have followed my father's. And so when we look at Jesus, we often are told of this picture of a rebel. We're told of this guy who just went to the, who didn't follow the status quo, about someone who really, you know, just broke every barrier, broke every chain, broke every rule in the religious thought. And he did do all those things, but then he says it himself in that last section, is that I chose to obey my father's commandments. And he's calling us to do that as well. And so there's this picture. If it tells us anything, it should be that the example that we need to follow is Jesus. That if we read scripture and we think we're living our lives in a way that is according to scripture and might like line up with that, but we realize we're doing things that Jesus never said to do or Jesus didn't do and we're doing those things, then we've missed the message, the entire message of scripture. That Jesus' life is the example that we need to live by, that we need to abide by, that we need to remain in. He is the interpreter of Scripture, and we live according to the way that Jesus lived his life. And so this is where Jesus assures us. is He's like, I'm not calling you to be my slaves. I'm not calling you to just obey my commands in a way that, like, I demand Walter to do things that he never does, like my dog. And, like, I'm, like right now he's sick, so he keeps throwing up everywhere. I'm commanding him to get onto the linoleum, like, so I can actually clean it, not to use, like, carpet spray and everything. But he doesn't listen to me. He throws up in the most inconvenient places. But sometimes we think that that's the relationship that God and Christ and Jesus want to have with us. Is that I'm commanding you to do this and I have no thought in the matter. And Jesus is like, remain in my love and you know the Father's heart. Remain in my love and you begin to understand the situations and the will of God and our requests and praises that go up to him become in line with those things in his heart for our lives. And the next verse explains it all. John 15, 17. And then he finishes up. The punchline of this whole thing is Jesus said, this is my command. Love each other. He just like sums it all up. He sums all of scripture and says, this is my command. To love each other. And so thought three, the way that we choose to follow Jesus, the way that we're going to do this is by loving your neighbor. In his final instructions to his disciples, Jesus is telling if you remember one thing, if you remember just one thing of all the things that I'm telling you, love each other, love one another, love your neighbor. Like I just imagine sitting there in that, that room as Jesus is giving these teachings and he's telling them this stuff. And I just think like, okay, if I knew this guy for three and a half years, I saw the way that he did miracles. I saw the way that he loved people. I saw the way that he went to the farthest person to just show God's love for people. And Jesus is just continually saying, 
love each other. If you remember one thing, love each other. Remain in me, remain in my love, and love one another. It would just be like, how, how would you forget? How would you forget if you were walking with Jesus? And so, but there's also this story in Mark where Jesus is in, dis- in a discussion with other um, religious teachers. And so the, this one guy, he, he looks at him and says, you know what, he answered very wisely. And so I'm going to ask him this question. What is the greatest commandment? And so in a lot of ways when people, when Jesus was asked these questions, it's to trap him. And so I was like, if he says the wrong thing, then we can persecute him. Then we can, you know, prove that he's not a true prophet of God. And so Jesus replies to this question, and he says, The most important commandment is this, Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. That is the correct answer. Like Jesus could have stopped there, and the, the, the leader of the law, he could have been like, Yeah, but I agree. But Jesus, like, because he's this guy who understands the heart of God, because he's God's son, he goes on and says this. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. So it's like, what is the greatest commandment, Jesus? Okay, I'll tell you. Love God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And it's like, yeah, but do this too. Love your neighbor as yourself. And it's like, not Jesus isn't saying, like, this is commandment one, and then right under that is commandment two. Jesus is saying, equally important are these two things. We need to love God, and we need to love people. And the religious seizure wanted one answer, but he got two. And that's harder. It's harder when we have to love other people. It's easy to love God when we can come to that point and say, God, I love you. I've chosen to follow you. Thank you for sending Jesus to this earth. But it's a lot harder when we say, oh, I have to love other people now? Okay, my family. Cool. I love my family. Oh, I have to love my coworkers? You know, that guy, he doesn't agree with what I agree in. He's, you know, he believes something completely different than I do politically. Jesus still calls you to love them. God calls you to love the family member that you hate the most. Yeah, last week at uh, Student Life Winter Camp, what did Ryan say? He said that you show God your love for God by the person that you love the least. It's just really challenging. Because we see things all the time where like, we're not showing love. And if that's showing the extent of God's love for me, then boy, I need to check it, you know? Think about really what God has called me to do. And we know it. Remain in me. Remain in my love. Follow my commands. And my commands are to love one another. And so isn't this kind of what is needed right now? In our culture, in our society. Like people need to be loved. People need to be noticed. People need to be understood to some extent. And when we do that, and this is like, you know, it's the week after Valentine's Day, and so like when you're talking about loving people, it can be seem really like, oh, nice and pretty, nice and clean, you know, like, I love people, you know, I got them chocolates, I gave them a nice card on Valentine's Day. But when we really think about the love that Jesus shows to us, that he showed to the disciples, that he's trying to exemplify with them, man, that's messy. Because we even read, this is like, 
he says that this is my commandment, love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. When we're talking about the point of love and saying, Jesus saying, love me the way I loved you. I'm going to lay my life down for you in the next day, but love other people the same way that I loved you. That's challenging. Like where we get to the point where we start saying, you know what, I'm willing to lay my life down. And so sometimes in our culture, in our society, we think that like love is just means, well, I'm, I'm really burdened by this. I had to go and stay up extra late to be with someone going through a really hard time. Or, you know, I had to, my, you know, it's really hard to love my wife or my spouse right now because the things that are going on. And so we get to the point and she's like, Jesus laid down his life for these disciples and he said to love other people in the same way that he's loving them. And so it just changes our whole mentality when we think love isn't always pretty, love isn't always kind back to us. Sometimes when we love people, they'll hate us back. And it gets messy and it gets hard and it becomes not that fun. But love presses on. Love never fails. And this is what we see from Jesus in his life and what he goes on. And so Jesus, in, if you read through John 15, he continues on and says that. He's like, you know, you're going to love the world, but some people don't even love me. And I'm the son of God. And so obviously they're going to not love you either. They're even going to hate you. You're going to be persecuted. And so he's like, okay, well, how do you live your life knowing that I'm going to love people, but they're going to hate me back? And so then Jesus says this in John 15, 26 through 27. He says, but I will send you the advocate the spirit of truth, he will come to you from the Father and will testify all about me. And you must also testify about me because you have been with me from the beginning of my ministry. And so when Jesus says, I'm sending the advocate, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. He's talking about that the Holy Spirit is going to be able to work within us to unleash God's love for other people. When we don't feel that we have enough strength or the power in our lives to love other people that we don't want to love, that's where we get to lean on the power of the Holy Spirit and God and, and just say, God, split the difference with me. My love only can get to here, but I know your love is infinitely times greater than that. Get me to that point. And so sometimes we have to do that. We have to understand that. And the purpose of that Holy Spirit, that advocate, the one who works on our behalf, is that we would love other people, that we would testify back to who Jesus is. So that when we love people, even when it's hard, even when it's not clean, even when it is messy, it testifies back to who Jesus is. And so the final thought today is how do we follow Jesus? We walk in step with the Spirit. Jesus didn't ask all these people to follow him, to drop everything in their lives, to commit and sacrifice to following him, and then just completely leave them by dying on a cross. But if you were in that moment, it probably certainly felt like that. Like, okay, Jesus, I gave up my whole life to follow you. I followed you during your whole ministry, and you just gave up. And it almost looked like he gave up on the cross. And so then you see, well, the resurrection comes. Even that, Jesus, you know, comes back to life. is resurrected three days later. And he comes back and he says, well, I'm going to leave you. But what does he say? He says, wait, for I'm sending you help. I'm sending you an advocate. I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. Wait until you find that power. 
And so that's what the early church does. They gathered together, they met together, they prayed until a moment comes when the Holy Spirit dwelled with them. And it's cool because it's like God left, but he sent something better. Let's just be honest. The Holy Spirit to help us live our lives following him. And Jesus even says that in John 16, at the end of his address, before he prays, he actually prays for his disciples in John 17, if you read on that whole scripture, that whole passage. He, but in John 16, Jesus says this, he's like, it is good that I'm leaving because I'm going to send something greater that's going to testify to the truth of what you've seen during my life. That you're going to begin to go out and love people. That you're going to go love your neighbors. You're going to love each other with the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is good that I am not here because you will have the Spirit working inside of you. Working you to do good works and good deeds. To just show people God's love. But maybe you're in that moment in your life where you feel like you're in the midst of a trial or a circumstance. And you feel like, okay God, I've chosen to follow you, but I'm in this pursuit of Jesus, and it's just not clicking. Where it's becoming like, I'm just lost. I don't really understand what this means to choose to follow Jesus and how it affects my life. It almost feels like you're in that moment the disciples were in between Jesus' death and resurrection. You're like, God, are you even here? And if you're in that moment... We, I don't, like I'm trying to think of the right words to tell you. But I think it comes back to remaining in him. Like where we just pick up scriptures and just read and let it become part of our prayers. Where we say, God, I choose to remain in you today, even through my trial, even through my circumstance. God, I choose to remain in you, even if things are going, maybe you have like a five-year plan and you're in year three and everything's just worked out perfectly for you. Remain in him, and he'll empower you to do more. And so the, the thought was to walk in step with the Spirit. Where does that come from? Galatians five twenty two through 26. We actually read this verse in the first week of this series as well, talking about living with the power of the Holy Spirit. And it comes back to the fruit that Jesus talked about. Like when we remain in Christ, when we remain in Jesus, fruit comes out of that. And so we have the Spirit living in us. And so this is what Galatians 5.22 says. It says, But the fruit of the Spirit is this, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. If we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Well, how do I know? How do I know if I'm living by the Spirit? The Spirit's like constantly moving. How do I keep up? You know, like it's almost like this race. Where, and I go back to what we were talking about, about being yoked with Jesus, where we're, like, where we're together with Jesus. And it's like, yeah, I want to be in step with Christ. Step by step walking with him. I want to be in step with Jesus, but how do I know? And so this is where it kind of gets hard because we have these fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Sometimes we have to make a self-diagnosis and look at our lives and just say, God, 
an honest conversation. God, where in my life am I not showing those fruits? Where in my life am I showing hate instead of love? Where in my life am I a pessimist instead of being joyful? Where in my life am I loving violence or war when I should be about peace? Where in my life am I just a quick trigger when I need to be patient? Where in my life am I wearing people down when I need to be kind? Where in my life am I letting things that aren't of Christ and I need to raise that goodness in my life? Where in my life, in my life am I harsh when I need to be gentle? Where in my life am I letting vices or things get the best of me when I need to have self-control? And so I think when we have an honest conversation and we pray those prayers, when we go back to that first prayer we're talking about, God, today, I choose to give up my own way. I choose to take up your cross. And I choose to follow you today. It's this connection of the calling that Jesus has called us to have, but knowing that we have the power to fulfill it with, with the Holy Spirit. And so sometimes we just need to have real conversations in prayer with God and say, God, where in my, where in my life am I not exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit? And that's an opportunity to pray, God, fill me with your Spirit to let those fruits be evident. Let the person sitting across the table in front of me at dinner realize that my relationship with you is something more than a thing I go to on Sundays, but let it be known that it's the way that I've chosen to live my life. And so this is the power of the Spirit working in us. And so the action point today is really simple, but it's also really hard. It's remain in Him. And so, it, you know, when we say these kind of artsy action points, like remain in him, it's like, oh, well, how do I do that? That's really, you know, not like super practical. And so you could leave here today and say, well, yeah, I'm going to remain in him. I, I choose to follow Jesus. But when we choose to let the hard aspects of that hit in our hearts and say, okay, I'm going to make a really good effort to just figure out what that means. Remain in him. I think that's when we begin to see our prayers be changed. I think that's when we begin to see us really understand like, okay, I know there's things I'm doing in my life that don't, that basically show the opposite of the fruits of the spirit. And I know that there's something that I can do in that. And that doesn't mean it's easy to do those things. But I do know that when we commit to do those things and say, God, fill in that space between my power and where you want me to be and let the Spirit's work and power in my life get me to that point, is God's going to give it to you. And it doesn't mean that we're perfect from that time forward. It doesn't mean that we're not going to stumble and fall. But it does mean that we're continually going back to the grace that Jesus has for us to say, Okay, I know I messed up, but I'm going to choose to remain in him. I know that I've gone somewhere that's according to my plan and not God's, but I'm going to actually go back and turn and remain in him. And this is what Jesus talks about all the time when he says, repent from your sins and follow me. Turn from where you were going and start coming my way. Follow me. And so how do we do that? Well, we remain in him. 
we abide in him. And so maybe this week you'll just say, God, how do I do that? And you'll maybe, you should read the whole sections from John 13 through John 17 and be encouraged by the way that God prayed for his disciples that right before he was leaving. And just say, God, I want this to be real in my life. But it's a powerful prayer to say, God, I give up my own way. I, you know, I take on your cross and I choose to follow you today. That's powerful. That should change the way that we think about every decision that we make. It should change the way we think about every news story that pops up over the next week. It should change the way that we respond when tragedy happens in our country. And it should change the way that we go about diagnosing and addressing those things and how we're going to do better in the future. It's the power of life. But it always testifies back to who Jesus is. So I want to pray with you guys today that we would do that. We would remain in him. God, we lift up this time today. We lift up this next five minutes of prayer and worship, and we just give it to you. And we say, God, address those things in my life that I know are the opposite of the fruits of the Spirit. I pray today, God, that we would have a true and real understanding of what it means to remain in your love to remain in your love so we might love other people, that it would bring glory back to you, that it would testify to your love for us. Let it be a response. That people would know whether we're sitting across the table over dinner or we're working with our coworkers or even in our own family, that they would say, you know what? My dad, my mom, my brother, my sister, whoever it is, they're choosing to remain in you. I notice the difference. I see the difference. And God, as we make those changes, as we make those self-diagnosis of ourselves, God, I pray that we would be empowered to live those things. God, where we might feel weak or powerless, God, let your spirit flow from within us to get us to the point where you want us to be. Let us not grow weary. Let us not grow faint. But let us walk in power and in love in all that we do. Let us take time today to pray and to just lift your name. We ask all this in your name. Amen.